0: Good afternoon, this is Mark Madison coming to you from Evans, Washington. This is the Contractor Coffee Club presented by EGIA, a bi-monthly podcast that I'm sure you're going to like. One week I'll be talking with my good friend Lucas and the other week I'll be interviewing someone from within the industry. The industry being heating, air conditioning, and refrigeration. A turning point in my life came in 1982 at age 25. I purchased a paperback copy of how to win friends and influence people for 50 cents at a garage sale. And I kept it in my service truck. I used to read it at lunch. It inspired me to begin listening to audio cassettes. Cassettes were these things for the millennials out there that, oh, never mind. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I started listening to audio cassettes and I quit listening to my extensive blues collection. I gave up reading the front page of the paper and I began to keep a journal. I turned into a sponge. As an HVAC technician, I had a C-plus level in terms of technical skills, but with Dale Carnegie's help, I became an A-plus people guy. Sales and opportunities soon followed. It became my people handbook, my human relations Bible, if you will. That copy of the book is so dog-eared, pages fall out when I open it. You see, Dale Carnegie was born in Maryville, Missouri, November 24th, 1888, and he knew only poverty as a boy. He ascended to become one of the top salesmen in his company and region by hard work and study. And then in 1911, he moved to New York City and began teaching public speaking courses at night so he could research and write during the day. In 1936, How to Win Friends and Influence People was published in the teeth of the Depression. And over the next 20 years, it went on to sell over 5 million copies before his untimely death in 1955. Dale believed and taught that it's possible to change other people's behavior by changing one's own behavior towards them. So the ideas that I put together come, some of them come from my own personal experience and some come directly from Carnegie's book. But what I did was I I paraphrased the principles. These are timeless human relations principles and I turned them into goals. So as I go through this, if one strikes you, if one kind of resonates with you, write it down and maybe consider setting it as a goal. Now, Lucas, uh, tell me a little bit about EGIA before we get started. Can you give a quick overview?
1: Yeah, I don't want to get too bogged down in the details, but as a quick overview, we're an industry trade group that's all about empowering the contractor. Our core activities are Contract University, which is an ongoing education platform that helps contractors grow their businesses through our weekly show, in-person workshops, webinars, uh, online contracting best practices, library, conferences, and more. Um, and then additionally, we have GeoSmart Financing, which uh, offers contractors exclusive financing op- financing options for their customers, EGIA Contractor Marketplace, which boasts special discounts on the products, services, equipment, tools contractors need to run their businesses, uh, and a monthly industry research report that uncovers insights and best practices going on in the industry right now. Uh, we roll out a new topic in there every 30 days. Um, so that's kind of a quick breakdown of what we do. There's a lot more beneath the surface there. but Mark, you've even spoken at, at a couple of conferences for us. What Which categories have you been in before?
0: Uh, talk about leadership the customer service sales so i've written ebooks on eight different subjects so yeah i have kind of a broad range of topics but what i'm impressed by the most this is you know not sounding too much like a commercial here but i'm impressed with the the staff the you know the professors at this university if you will they're you know one extraordinary person after another who have very specific skill sets and are some of the finest presenters in the country and they just happen to be assembled you know egia gathered these folks around and we, we have a real chemistry and, and a real kind of shared uh, perspective on on changing and improving contractors' lives. So that's really what this is about. When you guys approached me to do this, I said, I would love to. I mean, the idea of doing a podcast is just really fun. So let's, what do you say we roll up our sleeves and get into it?
1: I think let's jump into it. I'm excited, Mark.
0: Excellent. Thanks. OK, so Carnegie said you can make more friends in two months, by becoming genuinely interested in other people than you can in two years, trying to get them interested in you. I was doing a seminar uh, two days ago in Billings, Montana, with Johnstone Supply. And I told him, I said, you know, when you're talking to your dealers, it's not about you. It's about the customer, you know, and when I'm talking to dealers. I said, it's not about you. It's about the customer. Right. So that's really what Carnegie was saying. Uh, talk to somebody about themselves and they can listen for hours. Any fool can criticize, complain, and condemn, and most fools do. But it takes real character and self-control to be understanding and forgiving. So let me just go through some of these principles. I think they're, well, they've are well they changed my life, and hopefully they'll change yours. Number one, I smile to as many people as I can all day long. I insist on joy. Here's what's fascinating. It takes 13 facial muscles to smile and 47 to frown. Evidently, some people don't mind the extra work. number two I have an amazing memory for names I employ IRA, Impression Repetition Association, so their name sticks in my mind I was in Las Vegas and I was taking a cab from the airport to the hotel, and the cab driver said that his brother worked for Steve Wynn, the hotelier and he said that Wynn has 9,500 employees and his brother is the vice president of catering for Wynn, and he said he has all 9,500 employees employees names memorized. And I said, "Shut up." How's that possible? He said, "I have no idea, but if he, if he sees you on the strip and you're not wearing your name tag, he'll say, "Hello, Bill. How are you? How's your family?" I just was blown away by that. So it's possible, right?
1: Do you have a helpful hint, Mark? I remember you writing, uh, writing an article about this. Do you have a helpful hint for how to remember people's I,
0: names? Well, it's Ira, so I'll go through each one. Yeah, that's that's a great question. So, impression, repetition, association. So, impression is so if I meet a guy named Tom Smith, I think of uh, I think of like Tom Tom, right? I think of a, a bongo drum, right? And then repetition is pretty simple. I say it to my inside my head over and over again. Tom, Tom, his name is Tom. And then association is I, I imagine him standing next to my brother-in-law, who's also named Tom, with their arms around each other smiling with a set of bongo drums in front of them. So now in 30 seconds, I've created this picture. And this repetition, and frankly, repetition is how we learn everything. And one of the things that really helped me was when I started signing my books, I was in, gosh, this was probably 10 years ago, and I was in Philadelphia, and there were 2,500 people in this audience. And I don't know how many books I sold that night, a lot. And I signed books for like three hours. And the next morning, this woman came off the elevator, and she was from Jamaica. I remember she had this amazing smile. And she walked off the elevator and I was just waiting for a cab to go to the airport. And she said, hello, Mark, how are you, Mon? And I said, Julie, how are you doing? Good to see you again. She goes, how you remember my name, Mon? I said, hey, aren't you worth it? And on the way to the airport, I asked myself, how did I remember her name? And the answer was, I wrote it down. So that's another little trick. If you get a chance after you, you know, say that a few times, just write their name down and watch what happens
1: i consistently think of people after reading your article where you uh, you had specifically said shrink the person think of a famous person shrink them down and put the famous person on their shoulder every time you look at them and now anytime i hear that <laughs> that's what i do yeah. it's like yeah, i am like, like a sitting on his shoulder okay it's a
0: mnemonic it works
1: you that's know? anything great. that makes it sticky right yeah yeah anything mnemonic i'm i'm all for yeah
0: <laughs> number 3 i dominate the listening in every conversation and people enjoy being around me i love to listen and learn all day long I tell my audiences the number one skill in business is life in life is the ability to to listen. We got two eyes, two ears, one mouth. All right? God's a genius. He gave us everything we needed, but we at times it's nine mouths and no ears. Right? So listening, active listening. Uh, number four is an improv technique I, I borrowed from comedians. Uh, I employ yes and while I listen to others talk. I keep the spotlight on the other person. I observe, acknowledge, and heighten what I hear to make my conversations about other people. It's not about me. And I'll give you an example. Uh, I saw this guy walking his dog and the dog's just, you know I live on the beach, so the dog's like really excited to get to the beach. His tail's wagging. And I said to this, guy, I was a complete stranger. And I said, that dog's having more fun than you are. He said, you got that right. He said, he's just jacked. He can't wait to chase some seagulls, right? And all I did was I said what I saw And if somebody responds to me, I I respond back, but I don't change the subject. The mistake most people make is, let's say, Lucas, you you tell a fantastic story at Thanksgiving and everybody's just rolling on the floor. Sure. Then there's that weird Uncle Harold who says, that's nothing, one time at Bandcamp I, right?
1: The one-upper. Yeah,
0: yeah, the one-upper, the no-butt guy, right? Yeah. But the yes-and guy, he's welcome everywhere he goes because after you tell the story, he says, and then what happened, Lucas? Or that's crazy. What did you do then? And it really is that simple. It's the difference between yes and a no but.
1: Yeah, and it keeps and, I guess it keeps the focus on that person, right? And when their their interests.
0: Exactly. And then they just say, you know, when you're done listening and you're done observing, right? And then acknowledging. Really sophisticated people do this. People who have great people skills. It's it for some people it's inherent. I mean, as long as uh, it's a learned behavior to be sure, and you can teach it to yourself. And I certainly did, because I didn't come from that place. I had to unlearn some things. But we all do it to a greater or lesser extent, the no-but thing. We really do. But the ones who do yes-and consistently are the ones who are welcome everywhere they go. And number five, I'm a good finder. I enjoy catching people doing things right. Good for you is my favorite phrase. I enjoy making other people feel important. Mary Kay Ash built a $2 billion cosmetics firm with a really simple statement. She said, make women feel important. She said, in fact, every woman you meet has a stamp on her forehead that says, make me feel important. And our job is to sell them the makeup so they can cover that up. And, and then that's it. You know, what I used to say is lucky bum, you know, he must know somebody. And instead I say, good for you, a way to go. When my kids were little, I said, "Your future's so bright it burns my eyes. You're going to go so much farther than I ever did in school, sports, and business." And anytime they made any progress, I'd say, "Good for you! I'm so proud of you. Way to go! See, you're on your way." And it became a self fulfilling prophecy. And that's the opposite of criticism and complaining and
1: right. Yeah.
0: Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: And that's it's unusual. These are these are simple things to do, but they're not easy. But they're timeless, and they work every time, right? But most of us have developed a habit of doing the opposite for one reason or another. So with a little personal reflection and a little trial and error, these things can work wonders in your life. And and here's the bottom line. Any one of these principles is going to make people want to spend more time with you. But they won't know why. They'll just know they like how you make them feel. Number six, I avoid arguments with negative or mean people. I smile politely and walk away. I'd rather be happy than right. My world's divided into two categories, anchors or speedboats. You're either pulling me forward or you're dragging me down. Right? So if I come across a, an anchor, I, I just walk away. I'm polite as I possibly can be, but I'm, life's too short, you know, and as the older I get, the more that's true. One friend of mine said, life's like a roll of toilet paper. The closer you get to the end, the faster it goes. It's kind of a gross example, but you know, he's right.
1: Yeah, I don't like the imagery, but but right, the watch exactly. sound, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Number seven, I show respect for people's opinions, often saying, "You feel strongly about that," and I resist the temptation to correct, criticize, or condemn. I think Gandhi said it best. Everybody thinks their watch is telling the right time, so telling somebody they're wrong uh, doesn't doesn't do anything for anybody, you know. But if you paraphrase their emotion or their position, it has a it has a way of kind of softening the blow. Uh, number eight is one of my absolute favorites. This thing uh, it, it completely changed my life. When I'm wrong, I promptly admit it. Life's too short to be a jerk. I would, I'd I had a, a Bronco for the longest time. And for whatever reason, I bought a Cadillac. It was a DeVille, And Lucas, this thing was amazing. I mean, I was going on the freeway. I was going 70 miles an hour. And it felt like I was going 20. I mean, it was just like sitting in my living room, right? <laughs> and I... I pulled over onto a side street by the high school and I was still going way too fast and a, and a policeman pulled me over and he said, you know how fast you were going? I said, no, but I bet you do. And he said, I, I do. I said, well, how fast was I going? He said, 45 and a 25. And I said, well, is that uh, equipment of yours pretty accurate? He said, oh yeah, state of the art. I said, well, then we can only draw one conclusion. He said, what's that? I said, I deserve a ticket. He said, what? I said I deserve a ticket. I said, write me up, and I put my you know hands out like like I was going to be handcuffed. And he goes, hold on there, cowboy. Why don't you start with giving me your license or registration? So he comes back a little while later and he says, slow down. And he gives me. I said, no ticket. He said, don't push your luck. (laughs) I'm letting you off with a warning. I said, okay. So the following week, I'm on a flight from Seattle to Anchorage to work with a contractor and. I'm sitting next to a state trooper, and I told him the story, and he said, you know why I let you go, don't you? I said, I have no idea. He said, we're trained to determine if we think giving you a ticket will change your behavior, we give you a ticket. If we think letting you go will change your behavior, we'll let you go. I said, no kidding. He said, yeah. I said, that's something. He
1: said, yeah, it really
0: is. So about a week later, I got pulled over for the second time.
1: I feel like you should slow down, Mark. Right? That's what I'm pulling out of this story.
0: Well, clearly, and the guy says, "You know how fast you're going?" I said, "No, but I bet you do." And I went through that whole thing again, and he let me off again. <laughs> so the third time I got pulled over, the guy, the guy says to me, after I go through that whole routine again, he said, "Look, I'm really sorry, but I'm gonna have to give you a ticket because I got this intern, this high school kid riding shotgun. I can't let you go." I said, uh, "No worries." I said, "I, I really do deserve it. Write me out. and I haven't had a speeding ticket since. So here's my point. When I'm wrong, promptly admit it. It's magical. You know, we had a couple of presidents that forgot that principle. <laughs> I am not a crook. And I did not have sex with that woman. You know, yeah, I did not inhale. You know, well, he did. I think he did. I know that sounds like Zig Ziglar, but they came from the same area. So. Number nine, and we'll do just two ten of these and then we'll wind this down. Uh, number nine is I begin a conversation in a friendly way. My attitude and approach to others is consistently positive, affirming, and kind. You know, I, I just try to be a nice guy. I, I try to have a smile on my face and, and try to make people smile or laugh and, and, and just have fun because I didn't used to be that way. I used to be really unhappy, and I'm not that way anymore, and I like that, and I like people who are friendly towards me. It's just easier to be around. When I first met you, that's how, that was my impression of you. Here's a guy who's really having fun.
1: Yeah. well, I, Maybe you bring it out of people, Mark.
0: Well, well, or maybe it was just, is it nature or nurture? You know, that's my question yeah. to you. Is your dad like that? Is your mom like that?
1: My dad is very much like that, yeah, absolutely. He's a, he's right. a happy-go-lucky. hes He sees the positive in everything.
0: Isn't that something? So that's learned behavior, then, at your father's knee, right? Sure, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah that's isn't so. that
0: something? <laughs> yeah, it's just... Uh, uh, it's it's one of those things where i I see my granddaughter she 's eighteen months and she is so happy and my you know my son and my daughter in law are super positive super happy people so she's you know starting out that way she's also learned how to say no, which is really interesting <laughs> <laughs> it's her favorite it's her favorite thing uh number ten uh, and this is one of one of the things I teach contractors is especially in a sales situation. I like to ask the question, how did you get started in this business or how long have you lived in this neighborhood? You know, those kinds of open ended questions to to really find out what the other person's story is all about and open ended questions. Uh, Rudyard Kipling wrote a poem to teach his 12 year old son the power of asking open ended questions. He said, there are six honest serving men. They taught me all I knew their names were what and where and when and how and why and who. So if we want to open up a conversation, we need to ask who, what, where, when, how and why. If we want to close a conversation, we begin with a verb if, are, is, do, is that all there is? Do you have anything else? Are we done? Can you see how those questions kind of redefine where the, where the direction of the conversation is going?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So open ended questions, you know, what are the things that keep you up at night? Uh, You know, how long, how long have you been in this house? Who have you used in the past? You know, why aren't you using them now? Why did you call us? And, to the extent that I use open-ended questions, I open up the conversation. So those are the those are the first ten. I think that's probably a good start. It's probably more than most people were expecting. <laughs> and because uh, I go pretty fast, sometimes I forget how fast I go.
1: Mark, I was going to ask ask you actually because you were talking about you know one of the open-ended questions is how did you get started in the industry? How did you you know where did you come from? How did you get started in the industry? Well, that's like you'd ask an open-ended question,
0: <laughs> isn't it? Uh, it really is. You're an inquisitive mind. I appreciate that. I'll try to keep this brief. How much time do we have? Okay. So
1: <laughs> yeah, the sponsors are cutting in.
0: I know. Here they go. And we got to go to commercial, but when <laughs> we come back, we'll talk about that. Uh, 1976, i had played one year of college basketball. I was a 17 year old freshman. I actually had a really good year. I made the Dean's list. I had a three GPA and I averaged about 12 points in a game and the coach wanted me back, but I was, I had a, I kind of panicked. I, I was reading the you know, the time and Newsweek. And they're all saying all these baby boomers who graduated from college and they couldn't find a job. And so I was kind of freaking out. And I looked around, I had a couple of friends. One was a musician and one was a painter. And I thought, those guys have skills. and I don't have any skills. I don't have something I can, you know, some security of some kind. So I don't know if you ever saw the movie, The Graduate with Dustin Hoffman, but there's a scene in the beginning of the film where there's a party, you know, it's his graduation party. And this uncle of his walks up to him and says, plastics. Right? plastics. That's all he says, one word. And Hoffman goes, what? He goes, that's the future. He said, plastics. So I asked my father, I said, you know, I need to find some kind of blue collar job that were, you know, skill-based blue collar job. And he said, well, call your Uncle Tom in Ohio. He's an industrial arts teacher. So I did. I called him. And my Uncle Tom said, refrigeration and air conditioning. He said, that's the future. And I said, okay. So I went down to the local Air Force recruiter and I said, you know, refrigeration and air conditioning. So I took the test and I scored high and six months later I was in the air force as an air conditioning guy and I was a tech for 10 years. So that's how, that's how I got started. But then see the entrepreneur in me by my second year of my apprenticeship, I was selling more service agreements and projects than the guy they hired full time because I've always been an entrepreneur. So it wasn't, you know, I wanted, I had a mortgage and, you know, I had a wife and we were, we were trying to have kids. And so I wanted lots as many hours as I could get. So I started selling my own projects and and agreements so I could keep myself busy. And then my boss called me in the office one day and said, "We you know we can't get anybody to sell like you do. Why don't you come in the office and you know sell full time?" So that's kind of how I made the transition. And then from sales, I think you learn everything else you need to learn about about the business. Yeah. And then from there, I got into speaking, and then I wrote a and then I wrote a book, and the book did well, sold a hundred thousand copies, and so. Yeah, it's crazy because I flunked high school English and I had a year of junior college, right? Yeah. But it turns out writing's got nothing to do with English.
1: God bless America. <laughs> yeah. That's the short version. Was that good enough? That was good enough, absolutely, yeah. And and like I said before, you you've been I mean you've worked with EGIA now for, for quite some time. You've done a lot of the conferences for us and stuff, and I feel like I mean so earlier I had mentioned that, you know, EGIA Contractor University has the, the ten core pillars which are pricing uh, marketing and lead generation, service agreements, in-home sales, mindset training, leadership principles, service tech sales, customer service and dispatching, service management operations, and Mark, what am I? Financial structure. Uh, and I feel like you you have a unique. You do almost all of those, don't you?
0: Yeah, I talk at least on six of those. I've written, I've either written articles or books about all of, about six of those topics, and and have been hired to teach those things around the country. I do about seventy-five talks a year around the globe. I've been doing this for 20 years, and you know I love what I do. Whether it's a keynote or a workshop or a panel discussion, or or where I was, I was with Johnstone Supply in Billings, Montana, and I did a six hour sales seminar for him. And then I did a an employee team building session that night, and then the following morning I did a TM sales training for him, and then I came home last night. So. <laughs> Here's what's interesting, Lucas, from my perspective is it was easier for me to develop new curriculum than it was for me to find new clients. So the first five years of my business, I was constantly developing new curriculum because my customers would say, can you do team building? And I'd say, give me a couple of weeks, I'll get back to you. Yeah. And I'd read four or five books and I'd pour myself through that, you know, that information. And then I'd, then I'd create this curriculum. And fortunately, I know how to do that. And it's fun for me to do that. And then I then I just kinda kept going and I wrote I've written eleven ebooks and five books. So it's it's a, that part of it is really fun for me. I, I think the reason one of the reasons I left college wasn't just, you know, to join the air force, but I, I was kind of bored. I, I'm a bit of an autodidact, so I read a couple three books a week and 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 writing is I think is just something that comes out of all that reading. So it's really fun for me and, and at, at 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 my heart, at my soul, I'm a, I'm a coach, I'm a teacher. So, this is a great outlet for me, and i did you know I basically took the one thing I knew about which is contracting and blended it with the training and education and i've been a, been able to build a nice life for myself is and I feel really fortunate because I think our industry suffers from a low self esteem a lot of dealers don't they don't charge enough they don't believe they're worth that, and I'm on a mission to change that and I guess e g i is too because that's how you guys found me, and you know it seems to be a really good fit the values that uh, that bruce's spouse is uh, an Erica's spouse are you know are in alignment with mine and we we really care about contractors and i think that's at the heart of that so when you approached me about this this podcast i was excited not just because i you know we had spoken a few times and i really felt a connection to you but but this is just another way for contractors to uh, gather information that's going to help them grow their business and, and i'll give you an example of why i think podcasts are, are really important When I wrote Freedom From Fear, I would sell the books in the back of the room and the contractor, the wife would buy it or she'd buy it for her husband. But then the husband would say, do you have this on audio cassette? Right. And what he was really saying was, I'm not going to read this book. I'm not. So do you have it on audio? And so initially I didn't. But then so I recorded on cassette and then eventually CD and now on audible.com. But contractors, most of them, 80% of the ones I've met, they won't read, but they will listen. Yeah. And the serious students a lot of them have a lot of windshield time. you know the guys in montana yesterday they they those guys put in some serious windshield time, so podcasts are a perfect vehicle for them to 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 grow personally and professionally and that's why I think this is so important is it it's the i think it was Marshall McLuhan that said it's the medium, not the message and this is a great medium
1: yeah i think I think you nailed it too with the windshield time because there is you know depending on your role within a company, i mean your job might involve. A lot of driving around every day. You know, you got that however many service calls to make, and the in between exactly. is, is a lot of 10, 20, 30 minute drives. So, yeah, it's perfect.
0: And you only need one great idea, honestly, whether that's from a book or a podcast or a YouTube video, it doesn't matter. You just need one great idea to change your business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, that's and I'll was... give you an example.
1: Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just, I was uh, agreeing with what you were saying earlier. I think that is what this is all about. This and, you know, what we do at EGIA and what you do. Um, as an educator, and as a consultant, is try to find these, empower contractors, uplift, uplift the industry. Uh, and right. that's just, you know, there's, there's plenty of room for a lot of organizations out there that, you know, there's a lot, a lot of people can excel. So it's all about empowering everybody and, and you know, kind of rise, raising the tide.
0: Well, and, and in addition to what you just said, I think if we do a good job, we being EGIA, if we do a good job of laying out a buffet, in lots of different ways, right? Online training, right? Podcasts, live, you know, seminars and keynotes and workshops. Webinars as well. You know, regionally, you know, the rolling roadshow kind of thing. If we do a good job of that, then they get to select, once they become members of EGA, they get to select, you know, all manner of, uh, of uh, vehicles in which to gather this information. And everybody's, you know, there's three mo- learning modalities, auditory, kinesthetic, and visual. And, you know, I happen to be a visual, uh, my wife and my youngest son Evan are auditories, so everybody has a different way of processing information. And I think the fact that, that we're offering lots of different ways is, a, is makes what we're doing special.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it, I mean, I'm I'm obviously inundated in, with all the stuff that we do on a on a daily basis in terms of every media that we use, every medium that we use. But just going, I mean, you and I were at the uh, at the conference last month, and that is just such a completely different animal going to a live conference with live workshops than it is right. listening to a webinar or calling into one of the Ask the Experts calls or listening to this podcast. Um, so it right. is, yeah, it's it's great. I'm excited to be doing the podcast because it's I think the industry is, is lacking in this area.
0: Oh, there's no question. This is going to be fun. We're going to have a lot of fun. And I think going forward here, you know, one, one session that you and I, you know, talking about a particular topic, whether that's sales or customer service or team building or employee interaction or retention, service agreements, whatever it is. But then the next podcast, we're gonna line up a, a series of experts, contractors who have been wildly successful, distributors who really understand and help them grow, manufacturers who you know are, are doing exciting things. And so at least once a month we'll we'll have an outside guest giving us some insights on how to grow how to grow their business. So
1: this yeah, is gonna be fun,
0: man. We're gonna have a good time.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And I think you say it, Mark, in, in some when I've seen you speak live sometimes that the person, you know, who can help you get to that next level in your business except for the person who's already been there, right? So that's kind of what we're right. trying to track down is in terms of best practices is if you want to find a, you know, you want to learn how to grow your, your sales to 20 million, the guy who can help you is the guy who's growing his sales to 20 million, right? Right.
0: Yeah. If you're doing 2 million, you want to get to 4. There's a guy in the room who's doing 4. You need to find out who that guy is and, you know, buy him a cup of coffee
1: right or or you need to listen to the podcast. Five. Have Mark Madison track him down and and well no, that's right
0: <laughs> <laughs> well you know it, a mentor is somebody who's done what you want to do and been where you want to go it's just that simple and you know I I reached out in 8th grade when I got cut from the basketball team and I found a mentor his name is Kenny Christians and he told me shoot 2 hours a day and you'll make the team next year so I did and when I got, when I was a technician, I, I, I found the number one, the top tech in the company. And I said, what do I need to succeed? He said, be a sponge. He said, learn from everybody. And he said, keep a journal, uh, you know, learn, at, learn every single call. And so I did. And when I got into sales, I interviewed the top 20 people in my industry. And they gave me all kinds of great insights. So when I started writing, I started talking to authors, you know, tell, you know asking them, how do, how do you write a best selling book? What's involved in that? So I've always done that. And so I'm a big proponent of, of not being shy, you know, unassertive salespeople have skinny kids, right? You got to ask for what you want.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's hopefully what we're going to do here. You know, like if not everybody has access to somebody, you know, not every contractor in California has access to the guy who's been where he wants to go, but is in Maine. And so hopefully we can wrangle some of these people, um, some of these, you know, high performers or just industry experts, as you said, who, who can answer these questions for them that they might not have, be able to otherwise get FaceTime with. and. And hopefully the podcast will help with that.
0: So we're wranglers. We're wranglers. So that my cowboy hat's going to come in handy,
1: though. <laughs> Your cowboy hat always comes in handy, Mark.
0: Right? I get more comments on that doggone hat. And I, and I'll end with this. I'll end with this story because it's I'm I'm all hat and no cattle, right? I'm not a real cowboy. <laughs> but um, in 2008, our son went off to college, and the, the nest was empty. And my wife had been waiting her whole life for this, right? So she shifted gears and she bought a truck with dualies and a uh, camper and she started taking fly fishing classes and she bought the equipment and she bought a cowboy hat and boots and started listening to country western and dragging me to tim mcgraw concerts it was strange it was like i was having an affair <laughs> and you know and i resented a little because i make fun of country western you know i you know if I had a nose full of nickels i'd blow it all on you you know <laughs> how come all my children look like my best friend you know country western song titles so uh, and I was trying to reconcile all this, and I was at our condo in, in central Washington. It was about three hours away from Seattle, and she said, you know, you're coming home tomorrow, right? We're going to that concert, and so driving through the mountain pass, I was really resentful. I thought, you know, I don't want to go to this concert. I don't even like country western, right? So, but I learned a long time ago, if you have a resentment towards somebody, that what you have to do is stop, take a deep breath, and say a little prayer, you know, pray for the person, so I did that. I pulled the truck over, and I said a little prayer, and prayer is talking to God and meditation is listening and the answer came back if you can't beat him join him and I thought what really and he said hey man you asked right so I thought fine if I can't beat her I'll join her so I, I typed in Western wear and it came up Beth Western Western wear in Snohomish Washington so I made a beeline typed in the address in the GPS and the next thing I know I bought a hat boots a shirt a belt some jeans and the next day, when Debbie came home early from work, I had my foot on the bumper of my truck with my boots and my hat on. I said, Ma'am, I'll be your ride to the fair. <laughs> and and the I've re- been wearing the hat ever since.
1: That's great. Yeah. And I can verify that for people who haven't seen you. You have been wearing the hat ever since.
0: Right. And, uh, you know, if I got the cowboy boots on too, with that hat, I'm like seven feet tall. So it's like, okay.
1: you try to line <laughs>
0: definitely something. Well, Lucas, thank you so much. This was fun. I hope there was some value in this today for the folks that are listening and uh, I can't wait for the next one.
1: Absolutely. And and I, I hope there was value as well, but I think it's it's only going to get better. You know, this is episode one and we got a we long ways to go. It's going to be a long journey.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: And I'll end this podcast, Lucas, with a simple thought. It's the same thing I sign in every book I, I sell at, at book tables when I speak, and that is Enjoy the journey, the best is yet to come. Thanks for letting me play in your sandbox. This is the Contractor Coffee Club, presented by EGIA.